0: Just in case our name, Clit Talk, wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the
1: time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. In this episode of Clit Talk, we discuss how the Me Too movement is playing out on set in Hollywood, who's getting thrown under the bus, and how to give a crystal clear no with special guest, actress Marguerite Moreau.
0: The Pleasure Positive Podcast, where badass women discuss everything from orgasms to gender harmony to the health benefits of masturbation, the sex that you wish you got, and then some. This first season of Clit
2: Talk is inspired by Regina Thomas Schauer, creatrix of the School of Womanly Arts, leader of the pleasure revolution, and author of her New York Times bestselling book, Pussy, a Reclamation.
1: So, <laughs> so we have a very special guest today in the studio. Hey. And you know, when we have a guest, we love to brag about them. Mm -hmm. She's a wife, a mother of a two-year-old cutie pie named Casper, and there's no way you could have missed her on the film and television screens from Wet Hot American Summer to Shameless to Grey's Anatomy and one of my all-time favorite movies, The Mighty Ducks. (laughs) (laughs) The lovely Marguerite Moreau. Hi, Hi. I'm so
3: happy to be here. I'm a huge fan of the show. It's nice to put faces to the voices. I've learned a lot about my vagina and <laughs> where we can go from here. And um, I just feel very lucky to um, have stories shared so that I can understand my, my past and my present and my future. And um, while we're talking about larger themes today, I'm probably more comfortable talking about my vagina. So I'm very excited to be challenged today.
1: Yay! <laughs> so- Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) We all saw what happened. We have our Harvey Weinsteins and our Bill Cosby's. They made their disgusting, creepy beds, and they have to lie in them now for the rest of their dark days. And through the warriors of the Me Too movement, women are now more inspired to speak their truth boldly and shamelessly, demand equal pay, and even to create this very podcast.
2: Yeah, today we're acknowledging the glorious power of the Me Too movement and where folks got thrown under the bus. We are boldly moving forward into a world where all genders can live together in harmony, a world where women experience respect, safety, and equal opportunity, and men are empowered by that paradigm of equality just as much as we are.
1: So Marguerite, you have been working in the entertainment industry since you were 14. So I'm sure you've had a fascinating perspective on the whole Me Too movement. And I just want to know, has anything changed since?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I, um, I did a movie in January. Uh, where I had my first uh, sex scene that I had to take my top off since I've had my child. And so it was like, I was like, oh, it feels different. (laughs) This feels very different for me. um, Exposing vulnerability, even though the story is so great, you're still revealing yourself physically, and your body has changed, and you're, you're humbled, but you're also like feeling super powerful by what you've done. But sometimes people who haven't had kids don't also feel that same way. They're just like, you're a weird person I don't know how to relate to.
4: And
5: um,
3: so I'm coming into this, this night and everybody's doing all the things you want to do and to keep it, um, you know, a close set, very clear on what's going to be shown. And the male lead is a lovely gentleman, uh, younger than I am quite a bit. And he could not jump out of bed fast enough between takes to the point where I was like, Do I smell? Like what is happening? And I think that I, I think it has to do with like I want there to be clear lines. I don't want anybody to assume that 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 I'm enjoying this at all. And I'm like, I'm offended. You're supposed to say, uh, "Excuse me if I do get turned on, and excuse me if I don't get turned on." That's sort of like the joke in the business, right? To just sort of like cut through the nervous energy of like the awkwardness. But I definitely felt and feel a very conscious concern. To not so much, like, make sure you know I respect you, but, like, I don't know where the gray area is, and am I going to get in trouble? And I did this series. I just came back from Santa Fe, and I had my very first in 30 years, um, like, uh, sexual harassment training. Mm-hmm. Like, apparently... It started a couple of years ago. I've never had the privilege to be part of one. If you're not a series regular as an actor, you don't get invited to one, but like crews have to do it after, like for every show. So they flew to New Mexico, a lawyer, this, um, this network, which was great. And everyone like grumbled and made all these, comments about, oh, we can't say anything. I can't tell you how cute you are. And I better not tell you how cute your dress is. And I'm sort of like in the curious stance of like, well, what can we learn? I'm like a respectful person who is friendly with people. Like what's going to happen? And I felt like I wish it was more prevalent because people were still confused you know, can I say like the oldest man stood up at the very end and he has like the cowboy hat on and he runs transpo and he's like, ma'am, I just got a question. You know, I call everyone honey and, and girl. Am I in trouble? And she was like, you know, if you call everyone honey and girl, that's fine because everyone knows that's who you are. It's about singling people out and then using power to manipulate or sort of control someone he was like, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> but that diffused it for everyone because everyone was like, how are the guys in New Mexico going to handle this? Like they have their way, they got the cowboy boots and they were just as vulnerable and curious as others. So there's both the overcorrecting and then this, the, the learning, you know, oh, I don't have to worry so much.
1: Yeah. And good for him for asking, right? Because mm-hmm. even when you were saying that, I like got a little teary-eyed. I'm like, oh, because those are like the kinds of questions that take courage to really ask, especially in a large group of people with like a lot. Of mm-hmm. And uh, if you say something wrong, you can think that you could lose your job because that's what's been happening.
3: Right. And the other part of it is everyone is afraid to say something because our our work in my industry is built on relationships, even if you're in another department than acting and you're in transpo. and you say, I don't like how the boss just talked to so-and-so. Like, that boss hires you for the next 20 years or doesn't. And then you get a reputation for being sensitive, which, you know, I don't know why being sensitive is a problem. Anti-sensitivity seems awful.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, you know, so it's a tricky gray area, like what we're talking about today, of like having to choose whether or not to say something because you're afraid that person-to-person, like your your job is at, at stake
5: have a couple of girlfriends in my generation that correct uh, other people sometimes, whether they be male or female, when they say, girls, what are you girls up to? They would rather be addressed as women. Mm -hmm. And I understand part of it because maybe that's how you are able to elicit respect. As a grown woman, you want to be referred to as a woman. But me personally, I think of girl, boy. It's just a gender title. It doesn't mean I'm a little girl because I know I'm not a little girl. It doesn't insult me. But it's so interesting how with generation gaps or where you grew up or where you live now, these little things of how we have conversation can offend some and for others, it means absolutely nothing. So it's really difficult time to figure it out, I think.
0: Yeah, I th- it's interesting. We talk to our kids a lot about there's no bad words necessarily, but it's the intention behind the word. So if someone's like, what's up, girl? That's different than the cowboy. <laughs> hey, hon. You know, it's, it, I think a lot of it is the intention behind it. And just like you said with him, it's just who he is. He doesn't, his intention behind it is really pure. And, and I think that's the, that's part of the gray area, right? Like mm-hmm. we can't draw a line in the sand. These words are acceptable and these aren't. It's, it's going to vary situation to situation. And what is someone's intention behind what they're saying? And are they abusing their power or are they just a cowboy? And I think that's, that's a lot of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why this is so difficult for me to really discern because it's so nuanced and energetic in a way that it's not even seen by the group how the um how it's really being directed at you it's like it's a personal experience of how it lands Mm -hmm. and um and that's really what I've been grappling with with this whole thing like I'm at a party with friends and uh I'm dressed in, I was dressed in a costume, and then there were people who were like grabby with me there, but they're my friends, you know? So then, like,
3: did you feel uncomfortable? That's the question. Like,
1: you know, I didn't really realize that I did until one of them was like, You're so hard to catch. I was like, Oh, I've been running away. Not until like the, like, Probably a week later when we were writing this episode and um Eve asked, I don't remember what you asked me but you asked me something and I was like actually like there was something that I could have said that I wasn't responsible for saying because that's on me right well
3: he just made it your problem
4: well and there's boundaries too mm-hmm. and how to manage the boundaries powerfully in a space where you're not insulting because they don't know they're crossing them
1: so yeah like I think that's, that's a more part of it, it. too yeah. like um and it I don't know. It was just so interesting because normally I would have never thought about it again. Like, it wasn't something that was so impactful like or so hurtful or in anything. It was just nuanced. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, what could I have said next time that would actually be empowering for the other person who probably doesn't even think that...
2: Like a teachable moment. Like
1: a exactly. teachable moment. Yeah. exactly."
2: So speaking of teachable moments, what, you know, we have... Like you were saying before, Katie, we have the Harvey Weinsteins and the Bill Cosbys where there is no question what they did was absolutely wrong. They need to be stopped in their tracks. But what about the guys like Aziz Ansari, who had a bad date that we all got to read about on Babe.net, where he gestured at his dick. She gave him a blowjob. Then somehow in the aftermath, this became, quote, the worst night of her life. And it was all his fault. I mean, this was a lame celebrity date for sure. But to be honest, it was a far cry from being forced into sex. And it's put an artist's career and personal life on the chopping block. What
4: about situations like that? I remember reading about that and just being like, Ugh, I've been almost in that position. And again, I think it for me, when I read it, it's about boundaries and knowing how to speak up about it to simply.
6: Yeah. And when did it become illegal to ask for a fucking blowjob? <laughs> yeah.
3: But I think when I first read it, I thought, oh, I, I don't think he should lose his job. What is this? And I sat with it longer. And, um, you know, the girls from Call Your Girlfriend, Anne Friedman and Aminatou have a really great episode where they touch on this. Um, I think the episode is called The Glass Shovel Brigade. And they talk a lot about the layers of, so you have a spectrum of on one end, it's let's go out on a date. And it's clear. And the other end, it's Harvey Weinstein doing very inappropriate things. But in this gray area is a lot of opportunity for discussions about, um, well, there's two things. There's one is she's telling her story. Did she ask for anything more than the ability to say, I want to tell my story because I think it contributes to the overall narrative. I'm not asking for him to lose his job. The other side is this since when I thought about it again was the pressure of when you go back to someone's house for for women and primarily in my experience, you have to be ready to have sex with them. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to go back and just watch a movie. You're not allowed to go back and go, we're having so much fun. Maybe we'll end up dancing and having a glass of wine like they do in Masters of None. But what happens is, is guys know, you guys know when a chick wants to have sex with you. I think that a lot of times they're giving you signals and you either don't want to really listen or you do because you want to, you like them and you want to have sex with them. And the same thing with women, you know, you're hoping it'll go to a certain place or you're not ready yet. And it's, I think this is a nice opportunity to talk about the layered, um, issues between men and women and the power. Because like, if I say, I don't want to have sex with you, but you came back to my house, then I feel like I'm in the wrong and like, but when did that become the agreement Why can't I enjoy your space and see your amazing whatever it is and see if this is where I want it to go? I don't want to be called a whore or possibly beat up or raped or whatever, so I have to stop outside. So right now I'm stopping my experience because I need to protect myself. I think that this story contributes to this opportunity for ladies to talk about how they don't get to do things because they're physically less powerful And they have to be safe. And that makes me upset. I think the whole Me Too movement exposed for me, like, why I don't run by myself at night or go for hikes by myself during the day. You know, I'm pissed. Like, right. I have to protect myself.
0: Yeah. All the little things that we've just accepted as normal for so many years. Yeah. We're now actually waking up. And it's not just women waking up. I think it's also men waking up we can't necessarily blame the men. They were raised in the same culture and society as us. They didn't know what they didn't know. We didn't know what we didn't know. And yeah, now but we're would, learning to know.
3: I just want to pose the opposite side too, which yeah. is like we're all going to work and not harassing our coworkers. Like we can't say he's an amazing guy because he like base level was a decent person. <laughs> like, you know, let's like raise the bar. I think that, the, that you had a sense mm, that's not so great. And like we were all hopefully – I mean, I know, I mean, we're, this is where it gets like generational men, patriarchy, right. unlearning rules and who gets to have what in a relationship.
4: I like what you're, I like that you brought up like going to somebody's space because I've like literally given a guy a blowjob just so I could leave. Like that way I didn't have to fuck him, but I gave him a blowjob and then I could get the fuck out. And that feels disgusting when, like when you're even doing it, you're just like just hurry up and come already because <laughs> I just want to go and I'm done with this. And like took the fun away from it. It was someone that I really thought could potentially be somebody and like, no, that's it. I like, never doing it again. And it's just like a disrespect almost, but
3: do you feel like you're disrespectful to them or they're disrespectful? I'm disrespectful
4: you? to myself oh. and they're disrespectful to me, but like you can't just go and enjoy the experience. Right. And that's not a hundred percent across the board but it does happen.
5: I've never invited a man over to my house or gone to a man's house without being very clear, no expectations, okay? It's always out there. From the time they walk in, I, I don't hug them. I, you know, this is going to be a night of just hanging out. If I choose during the night that I do want to touch them or have sex with them, I will very much let them know. And why not be clear? No is no, yes is yes. I don't understand why women can't do that. I really don't at this point in this society today. Demigo,
6: to have a, a question. Yeah. When you know you want to sleep with someone or be physical with someone, what do you say? Like, how do you say that? Can you give our listeners some insight into what that looks like?
3: Yes, this is helpful. I need sentences. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happily married, but, you know.
5: (laughs) I I think that when I'm, you know, just having a conversation and now I'm starting to feel a guy and there's some, you know, connection going on, either I'll say, um, you know, do you mind if we cuddle a little bit? But I'm really not interested in more than that. Or I just say, could we cuddle? And then I move it along physically. I don't have to say too much. It's in my eyes. It's in my movement. They know. They really know. So that way, if we do something, then he feels good too. I don't want to spend time with a man. And then in the end of the night, he's wondering, did I fuck with her? Should I have mm-hmm. not do, done that? Now he's holding mm-hmm. on to some kind of negativity. In his mind's like, yeah, she fucking wanted it. But, you know, maybe somewhere inside they're holding on to, I might not have done the right thing. That's not good for collective energy in society. I don't like those blurred lines ever.
4: But have you always,
5: like, was this a learned
4: behavior for you? Well, like, did yeah. it take time or did you just innately come this way?
5: Everybody knows pretty much if they listen to this show that I got married at 19 Uh, I lost my virginity to my husband. I was married for 24 years. So I was a grown-ass woman with two grown kids when I came back to the dating scene. So I empathize with this process for young women. But I just don't quite understand it myself.
1: Well, Tam, you've also talked about how you interview. Before you even meet with the guy, you actually have a series of steps that you go through. So he knows he's actually set up for what you're prepared for.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah
1: for sure.
2: Yeah, I um I learned as I went along. You know, I learned I had sex for the first time when I was 14 and it took me a while. I don't think I asked someone to stop what they were doing until I was 26. And there was this guy doing something that I can only describe as the jackhammer move, <laughs> which I believe is picked up by watching too much porn and it's just that like yeah. yeah. <laughs> and i just remember lying there and looking up at him and he wasn't paying attention to me the human being and i just went um could you just stop for one second and he was like oh oh sure sure and he's like what and i was like i'm not really enjoying this right now could we maybe just pause and like go for a walk or something like that and we did and we went for a walk, and we talked about it, and it was great.
4: I've had it where I've set the expectation, and they find it a challenge. I'm like, wow. we're not having sex, and then they're like, oh, cool, now I've got it. Now I've got a prize to catch, mm. and that's happened so many times. That's why I'm like asking Tamiko,
5: with all your experience, what the hell do you do? Remember <laughs> Susan Branton? She was telling us how intercourse is only one part of sex, and there's a whole bunch of fun other things we can do if we want to. And I love Eve that you. Were able to say in the middle of it, I'm not really liking this or this isn't really working for me or I'm not feeling this because I have done that a couple times too. But I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want anyone to think that I'm perfect. There have been plenty of times the next day or a week later, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, there's sometimes there's oh, yeah. regret. Absolutely. As women, that's what we hold on to. We can't help it. But it, I know that it wasn't because of something that I was forced to do. So that makes it better.
2: Absolutely. I mean, for years, I laid there and sometimes even got on top and fucked when I didn't want to be doing it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was realizing I was voluntarily being raped over and over and over again. And I was letting boyfriends do that to me. I wasn't saying anything. And... (laughs) it's what you were saying it's not fair to them and it's not fair to ourselves i just didn't realize that it was worth it for me it took me till i was 26 to realize like sex doesn't really feel that good for me and so and it's okay for me to ask for things and i remember this woman much younger than myself being asking me you mean you don't have you have sex without lubrication like added lubrication and i said yeah, I've never used lubrication. She was like, "Why? That's the silliest thing in the world." Of course you need it, especially if you're fucking for a long time. Like, of course you do. <laughs> Just things like Who that. Was like, her mom. <laughs>
4: <laughs> she, worked looked, a- she, like- <laughs>
2: she worked at a she worked she worked at an all female uh, sex shop. A female-owned and operated sex shop. So she was very liberated in the discussion. And I'm just wondering, what is missing in our culture that has so many women and girls staying quiet and consenting to things that don't feel good to them?
0: So this is really fascinating to hear your you know, perspective, Eve and Crystal. I almost said your real name. Um, Eve and Crystal, your perspectives on this. I'm more in the world of Tamiko. I've never really had a problem with saying no, even from a very young age. And it's really fascinating for me to hear, like, your experience of it because it's not my experience at all. When I tell a man, we're not having sex on the first date, he doesn't try to challenge me because I'm a no. And I'm like, it's not – and if and if he's being a jerk, then I'll leave the date. I So it's – I'm wondering what the – I'm not saying it's happened all the time. By no, no, means. I get that. No, I'm just, that clear. I'm yeah. just, I guess I'm a little, um, shocked that that's been a, the experience for so many women. Cause I had a more similar experience to Tamiko, and I just didn't know that. Yeah.
6: yeah. I'm with the crystal and, oh, all right. I'm, I'm with crystal and, and, and Eve on this one. Like I think that, uh, it stems from not setting personal boundaries or not, not being guided in that conversation. At a young age. So I still actually uh, deal with saying no. And what, and it takes getting w- over here with yourself and checking with yourself what are my boundaries? What am I willing to do? How far am I willing to go? What am I not comfortable with? What am I comfortable with? And until you have that conversation with yourself, you know, well, And the, it happens as things happen, too. Like, every experience brings... Provides learning that has right. you see, oh, I didn't even know that I would yeah. want that or I didn't want that, right? So there's no shame in the learning process, but continuously over and over again.
5: This need to please that we women I hold on, on today, to can girl. be good and can be so detrimental, mm-hmm. you know? That's, that's mm-hmm. what it is
1: for me, for sure, because I fall in the category of, like, I didn't set boundaries with anything, really, until... Couple years ago, where I was like, oh, I, I, this hasn't been working for me. And instead of getting angry and sad all the time, I can actually just say what the boundary is. And in the moment, once I've determined what it is, in the moment, I can be like, oh, here's the boundary. And I can say something. But before that, I was definitely in the same camp of pleasing and uh, just wanting to do it right. I think, mm-hmm. like, not really knowing what I, um, was supposed to do, so part of it was experimentation. Fake and it then till they, you make it. Fake it till you make it, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, Exactly.
4: Um,
3: yep. <laughs> I think to, um, you know, I think I, I, I didn't have enough of a framework of of sex and my relationship to it as it was uh, exposed to me by my parents, and so it was really men only want one thing. You have to protect it. You should only have sex when you love someone. Um, but watch out for everyone because that's what they want. So there was a fear based point of view. Mm-hmm. And while I did have the wonderful experience with the awesome boyfriend, even though the sex was painful and it was like overthought and all those funny things, um, it was never a regret of who. And that choice was mm-hmm. felt good. So I learned how to make good choices about who. But then when it came to actually like living and breathing in my own relationship with myself, it was really informed by fear. And so like even the kinds of men I would flirt with or because I knew who I could handle and who I could not. So even if like a sexy man on set who was a big yum yum, he would express interest and I would be like, oh, I'm going to fall in love with you. you. You don't want this. No, no, no. I will follow you around. There, no, there's no one and done here. Like I'll be a, the most annoying person. And I knew that about myself that I would be hum- humiliate myself. Um, which was so frustrating because I'm like, why can't I have sex with the hot thing on set? I'm the hot thing on set too. And I was like, oh girl, no, no, no. But, um, you know, there's this, did anybody read that um, cat, the cat person uh, short story in the New Yorker a couple of months ago? I think it was in January. It's an amazing story um, that has to do with, uh, maybe you can like link to it in the notes or something, yeah, we'll but it, it has blog. a lot to do with finding someone that you're attracted to, you have those first maybe few weeks or months of um, of good dating, and then just something kind of falls off, and then how you handle it. And I felt it really speaks very well without giving away where it goes to the comp- complicated nature of um, the power dynamic between men and women, and how quickly you can be turned on. So I, I think that that is a thing that is very scary. There's only like. The Madonna and the whore, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. and you're either held on high to be something to be chased, like you were saying, or are you going to get down and dirty with me, girl, and experience it all? And then what if you're like, it's? I've always felt afraid to say what what my boundaries were because I'm afraid that it would get rejected, and then I would be called an asshole or a to- tease or any of these highly mm-hmm. triggering words. Where you're like, I'm just trying to make it cool for all of us right now. <laughs>
6: Who's been
5: called a whore or, or a tease in this room? Oh, oh tease! Yeah. Every every yeah. single every yeah. single woman yeah. is raising her And I feel so yeah. sorry for this newer generation because this hookup culture is mass massive pressure. You know, I, I didn't grow I mean, up like, like the that. Tinder. Yeah, all yeah. But just the hookup culture in general. From the time they're like in middle school on a school bus, yeah, giving blowjobs. I mean, it's Whoa. like what? it's. Crazy to me that that's happening that just lets you know and and I'm curious too, Marguerite, you have a two year old right mm-hmm. and now that unlike myself, you're a lot more aware and educated and you see what's happening with the culture and men and women, is there something you're thinking about in terms of how you want to raise your son
3: you know my my husband had a a, a nice um kind of relationship with like his parents in terms of like you know that's okay to do that, but we do it in the privacy of our own room. So just go in your room and close the door. And I thought that was amazing. I was like, does anyone know about masturbation? Like no one's talking about it. I was like the first girl to kiss a boy. And I was like, let's go, let's get felt up. But I didn't want to go too fast. But I definitely was like, let's get going. Kissing is fun. And then, but then going any farther, it was like a dead zone. I could find no one. I was like, do people really do anything with fruit like i'm very confused like is it the shower head we only have a bathtub like, like I, so like masturbation was like a, like a like a like a like the static zone on the tv for like forever so for me it's exciting to already have been with someone who has i think what i think is like a more well-rounded and healthy kind of first approach and then we'll just talk and i, I just wanted to be comfortable with his body and i again i love what my parents did which was like differentiate between uh, what sex can be as a special thing, but not so much that then you don't have any fun. So just again, like refining, refining.
2: Recently, I was working with this girls empowerment organization and looking at, you know, where are girls at when it comes to the Me Too movement? How can they have space to share their stories, to find power, um, to to not live with that anymore in their worlds because just walking down the hallway for girls at school can be just a sexual harassment Apache line you know and it was fascinating to do the research and discover that there's actually several organizations right now um, I'm trying to remember one of the names of them like Stop Sexual Harassment in Schools is one of them that are putting together these trainings for girls and for boys so and their consent trainings.
1: So Peace Over Violence is a really great organization. My girlfriend goes around and talks to schools, generally schools that have had problems with these kinds of things, with rape and harassment. And she goes in and talks about um, a powerful no and gives – men and women tools and how to interact with each other. So that's one organization that I know for sure is actively doing that.
2: It's incredible. Can you imagine a a nation where every girl
5: and boy was trained? The boys need it too. Yeah. How to say no? They can send to all they kinds of stuff church. they're not ready they for. They can go to church and tell their whoever, no. You know, all the Catholic yeah, Church yeah. with yeah. all the, They can actually, mm-hmm. because that's a really hard place to do it for a kid, right? You're indoctrinated. This person is supposed to be a person of authority that's reaching this higher power. And then they're doing this to your body. Imagine how difficult for a young kid, how confusing. So yes, absolutely for boys too, little boys.
3: Well, that's the most important thing to me because whenever any of this happens, it's like our problem. You know, someone says something horrific to me on set and I'm like, did I'm in the stunned moment of like, did that, did I, yeah. did I, did, I must be missing a joke. I'm going quickly in my head through shock and shame and horror. And he just made it my fucking problem that I got to go home and- talk to my husband and be like, am I crazy? Do I bring it up? I'm not sure. Eh, It's your problem. You're the one with the behavior problem. It's essential. And I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you have girls or boys because my son is so young. I sort of feel like I have, I get to learn with the movement. I think misrepresentation is doing amazing things. Um, and they have a, um, a pro they have a program they've developed for men and it's about like the concept of like men having to be men and and really giving them the power to understand how that weakens them that label that they have to carry around be a man because it traps them also in a box of what what their identity and their experience can be but beyond that i i don't know if you have boys or girls like i said what what you found um for for your kids
5: so, yeah, that's really sad, this toxic masculinity and the whole man up. You know, stop being a wussy. Yeah, don't mm. be a sissy. Mm. Don't don't run like a girl. It's terrible. It Does You know, it doesn't do any good. Um, I have two daughters. They're already grown. Actually, 22 and 24 now. You made it through. Uh, not quite through yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I want to say that if I had more knowledge as a mother about how natural sexuality is and that it's nothing to be ashamed of. And because they're little girls, what do you want to do? You want to protect them. And I do remember this one time cooking dinner, and my daughter was probably maybe a junior in high school, and she comes to me, and she tells me about going to this boy's house, and I dropped her off, and I talked to the mother, and I told the mother, keep an eye. And he wanted to, he pressured her to give him a hand job. And she really didn't want to do it. And I was remembering chopping up the vegetables for dinner. And she's starting to tell me the story. And I feel my, at the pit of my stomach as she's telling the story. And of course, I want to overreact like, oh my God, I'm going to call that mom. Why didn't you just tell him no? But I just kept fucking chopping the vegetables. (laughs) And I just was very empathetic. And I said, I bet that was scary. I'm sorry that happened to you. You know, in the future, let's try not to get in those situations when you're alone with somebody. Right away, leave the situation. You know, we had a good, calm conversation. But for me, it was so hard as a mother because it hurts you. When your kid is getting hurt, and especially in this realm of sexuality, you know, when they're pure, especially when they're pure, you know, you think of your kids as pure and somebody's, you know, ruining the purity. You just want to scalp them. And it hurt her and she was crying about it. And I said to her, this is such a great experience. Let me tell you why. Because it was a hand job. You will not get raped. You will not you know, have somebody that's going to sleep, that you're going to sleep with not be a person that you love dearly. And good thing was she went to college. She had a really good boyfriend and that was her first experience. I was very happy for her.
4: And the fact that you didn't overreact predictively makes it much easier for her to come to you with problems in the future. True. Sure. So mm-hmm. yeah, just to put that in. Yeah. It was hard though. <laughs> it's
3: really hard. I mean, you spoke to something at the beginning about a teachable moment and Um, about the word, you know, hey, girls, or whatnot. And I was on set recently, and I was um, with, there was four young women in our cast, and we were doing a big kitchen scene. And the head of the camera department came in, and we were all kind of like waiting on our marks because it was a quick turnover. Um, And he said to the camera crew, hey, come on, why are you taking so long? What are you, a bunch of girls? And this was the day after the sexual harassment training. (laughs) Uh And I just, it just came, I have such a hard time speaking up sometimes because I want to say the thing later. I'm like, that would have been a great thing to say. But I was able in the moment to very succinctly and with a little bit of humor go, you know, Girls is actually, um, when used in that way, it's 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 a less than term, and we don't really appreciate um, being called as less than. We are all peers here on on the set. We're all working together. And when you talk to your team like that and make it less than, then it's a problem. And he was like shocked, Whoa. and all the young women and the war- wardrobe and makeup. Everyone was started clapping oh, wow. because That's wardrobe amazing. and makeup are the vanities, and they're called the vanities in a very derogatory way. But you need you need that those departments and they're traditionally women and then there's usually very few women in other departments. And so I said it in a way and he was like, well, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't mean anything. And all the young women who have just graduated from college and are on set and like, "Fuck yeah, And I'm like, I did it. I did it. Great. And then I started going and then he comes back in and he goes, well, I mean, what am I supposed to call him then? And I was like, turkeys. Like, I don't just, I didn't know what else to say. And then I started being like, did did I, did I shame him publicly? Is there a better way to make it more teachable. And I talked to one of the young girls at lunch on the way back and I was like, is there, like, did I? Like, then I started thinking like, what if he, what if he then the next time he walks to someone and asks how I am? Oh, well, you know, she's one of those prissy, like liberally kind of, and I was, mm-hmm. I started worrying the things that you worry about. And she's like, listen, I, I think it's great, and you shouldn't be afraid to say it. I mean, come on. A testicle can't take a flicking, and a pussy can take a pounding. Like, please, don't call us fucking girls in the negative. And so right after lunch, I was like, I'm going to remember that. And I get on the van, and one of the drivers goes, while we're waiting for someone in his walkie, he's like, what, are you hiding from me? Talking to another guy in the van. What are you, you know, are you a girl or something? You think I'm scared? And I was like, buddy? And he goes, "Uh uh-oh, am I in trouble? And I was like, let me just paint a picture for you. He laughed so hard and was like, girl, I am never going to forget that. Thank you. I'm so embarrassed. And I saw him see that it wasn't a thing about women's empowerment, the way they use words that are are negative to say, hey, have you seen, let us point in the direction of where we are very strong. Mm -hmm. He loved it. And so it was a real opportunity. So I think by talking, even though I found I didn't, it wasn't negative. To say the first thing by talking to another woman about the experience, I got even more uh, empowered and more tools to use on the next thing. Comedy so, works, and doing yeah.
4: something, sometimes in public makes a huge impact, and sometimes I think it did. behind doors can still make an impact too, but save face. So it, it it depends. You never know which which is the right way to go, and just trust your instincts.
1: Yeah, and I think you found a boundary, you identified it, and then there was the space to catch it in the moment and speak up. And that's why we're having these conversations. And I think that's been what's missing from our culture is actually just talking about it. And then the most amazing thing is that you started to find Humor around it for not just you, but for also the man who is like, am I in trouble? Mm-hmm. You know, so this like leads into our next questions. So how are men supposed to treat us now? And how can women take responsibility for how we're treated? And I think that you painted a picture for us of ex- of a great example of be- hearing something that didn't work. And yes, it wasn't a public place, and being actually responsible by saying something and then actually have a follow up conversation to catch it again and then end up laughing about it is such a great outcome. And it connects men and women just as those masculine and feminine energies that were the same. And that's what we're really looking to. That's when we bring, that's when the gray area becomes more black and white right? It becomes much more clear. But it takes something to speak up and do that. It actually took courage for you to do that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: But I felt lucky that I had it in the moment. We kind of sometimes want to and have every intention to and, and we miss it in some way. So that's just part of life, I guess. Yeah.
6: Yeah. And, you know, as a bisexual woman, I think this also goes to, you know, women and women, men with men, it's really, um, it's a, it's a human issue. It's not just, you know, a man woman issue. Um, and I mean, I find that if I'm with a woman, like I want to really take care of her and make sure that she's doing what's comfortable with her. And so I've found myself, even though I'm a woman that, you know, I don't want to, um, offend or um make someone feel negativity after the experience like the experience should be just positive and so my intention going into um sex even with my husband or if we're with a woman it's how can I just make this person feel so taken care of and respected and that's I'm giving myself that same space mm-hmm. right I'm How can I respect myself? How can I nurture myself and take care of of myself? And that intention changes the whole energy in the experience. Because now it's not about an orgasm, right? Or telling your friends about what you did. It's really about being of service to another human being, Mm -hmm. making sure they're cared for, making sure they feel safe, Mm -hmm. right? And without that, the turn on that could be experienced wouldn't be fully lived,
0: Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of themes today, and and one of them is boundaries, exploring what our boundaries are, and then really being empowered. I love that there's training out there, consent training. like So giving men and women the space to explore where their boundaries are because it's different for someone, right? Like maybe I don't mind having my girlfriend smack my ass, but somebody else does, and then being able to really communicate that in a way that's like empowering and responsible. So like getting responsible for what your boundaries are and then really being empowered whether it's through consent training or whatever to really be able to set your boundaries for people and have it clear in a way that leaves both you and them empowered.
2: Absolutely. And I feel so happy that I found my voice and I am able to say something most of the time. Mm -hmm. I feel very blessed that I found that and it didn't just come out of But it didn't just come out perfect the first time. I didn't have someone feel loved, respected, appreciated, full of humor and joy the first however many times that I made my request. You know, it was, it was messy. And I think being willing to have our communication not be perfect, to throw that out and just just know that as women right now, especially as part of our evolution as women in society, it is so important for us to use our voice, whether it is yelling and screaming, whether it is soft and sweet, whether it's choppy or awkward or whatever the hell it is, you know, it's, that's the bottom line is that It's our responsibility to speak up for ourselves and say what we do and what we don't want. And we can become amazing and graceful and loving with it as we learn. Mm -hmm.
4: I think the learning process is sometimes uncomfortable. And like one, I'll tell a little story. I was on a plane.
1: (laughs) Crystal.
4: An article about this on the <laughs> internet
1: <laughs> was that you
4: I still haven't joined the mile high club but no I like had kind of hung out with this guy a little bit uh maybe like a year before I run into him on a plane on a flight back back and back to LA anyway we're on the plane and like we start getting touchy-feely with each other and it like was fun and like I also left the situation though feeling uncomfortable so I don't remember in the moment why I left feeling uncomfortable, um, but I remember calling him maybe a week later and telling him, like, "Hey, I don't, I don't really like what happened. Like in the moment, I thought I did, but later I'm realizing it just didn't actually work for me." And like, he's like, profusely apologized, and this was me practicing how to have a boundary. Like I just, I'm developing that. And so he profusely apologized. Never meant to cross a line. I ran into this guy three weeks ago out, and we were talking, (laughs) and all everything's nice. We're saying hello, catching up a little bit, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I always felt really bad about that situation," and I'm like, "You know what? I have to say, like, one, I'm really glad you're bringing it up." I don't even remember why I felt uncomfortable, why I felt the need to tell you what I said, but I hadn't learned how to speak up. And so it was just a missing of, like, there was no talking between the two of us. And had that happened, like, I think in the moment on the plane, I was concerned it would ruin the mood or something because we were definitely having fun, but afterwards it just didn't fit right. And me calling you, and it was so uncomfortable and so hard, was me learning how to have a boundary. And now, this many years later, seeing each other, he's like, I really appreciate you saying that. I think it's great to hear that. Also, this is on after the Me Too movement's been happening. So Mm -hmm. it's like –
1: That was probably like the first thing that popped in his mind. Yeah.
4: But it really was a huge – like circling – coming full circle with it. And getting a chance to talk to him and us as adults saying, hey, this this is okay. We talked about it. Like, glad we got through that. Like, I would maybe even date the guy. Like, really. And from that conversation, that's opened up. And he's a cool cat. I mean, nothing is good. But I wanted to share that because that's like an experience of a boundary. It's different than what Marguerite's sharing with. Um, and it's just like another way of it can it can happen, and you're practicing and fumbling through it.
5: Don't you love running into old lovers? (laughs) 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 Oh, ruining (laughs) the mood. (laughs) So Katie was talking
2: about in another conversation we had. Katie mentioned a lot of guys don't know how to be. Anymore. They don't know what's okay. What's not okay. What can I say? What can I not say? And just like that older gentleman stood up in New Mexico in your meeting, Marguerite, and asked, Hey, I'm saying these things. Am I in trouble? Any man can, if, if you're, if you're a man and you're wondering, is this okay? <laughs> right there. Or yeah. is she is she ready? It doesn't mean that it's probably not, yeah. but it means it's worth asking, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I had sex with the love of my life. Um, well, in the past, the love of my life, because there will be many more in the future. I remember... We had made out a million times, and it was so good. And when he was ready to finally penetrate me, I remember he looked at me. He looked me in the eyes, and he said, may I? Ooh. And it was yeah. a, and a mic drop. drop.
1: <laughs> that is hot, actually. It may was
2: hottest thing and I was in I'm that moment I just got horny <laughs> I was like honey just fuck me any way you want to I didn't say that but that's that how is. it felt yeah. it was such a beautiful sacred romantic that's pristine mm-hmm. moment and if my answer was
5: yes <laughs> <laughs> you mean yes, yes please. please no
2: yes please yeah. oh yes please He's
0: like a, I mean a knight with his sword like <laughs> oh my god so
2: so good and it's funny to hear you say yes please yes please because I realized recently in having sex what I find myself saying the most of is thank you mm. thank you
5: Thank you. I say thank you a lot too. And yes, please. I say God a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talk to God a lot.
6: Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God! Oh my God!
5: Sometimes I say oh my shit. God. Oh, shit.
6: So I think that uh,
3: during, people, before, when? Oh,
6: and not during intercourse, just in general in life. I feel like part of the impact of the, the, the Me Too movement is like I used to get complimented a lot or talk to a lot by men and women out in public. And I enjoyed that. I like. Mm-hmm, I, yeah. but that's that's my like love language. I'm touchy. I'm gonna hug you. I'm gonna tell you I love your What you're wearing. You look so beautiful. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. Your 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 hair looks great. I missed that, and I think that we may have stopped connecting with each other in that way, in these ways. Um, so I just want to say, you know, when we were talking about, um, if a you know if a man or a woman is wondering, is it okay? Um, you know, for me, on the flip side, it's like, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's your intention. I know you're not trying to rape me in the middle of the Whole Foods parking lot. (laughs) You know, you just want to tell me, you know, I look beautiful. That's great.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a huge difference between seeing a, a woman walk by and saying, you look beautiful and saying what I remember my dear Vietnamese friend experiencing in Philadelphia, which was like, hey, sexy girl, I bet. You really like it up your ass. Oh my god. As she's walking in front of this gentle this gentleman, this dude and his (laughs) homie. Oh yeah. Mm. And so there's a huge difference between my all-time favorite one that my friend Heather got, which is nice shape, miss. (laughs) Uh, on the streets of Brooklyn, right? You can't be mad at that. You're like, damn.
6: (laughs) I mean, when I was walking down the street one time in high school and there were some high school boys behind me, they were like, damn, look at that ass. I just turned around and just shit on them with my words. Like, I was just like, your fucking mother. I don't even know. I just went off on them. Didn't raise you right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what
5: what if
0: they don't say anything but the whistling? How how does
3: everyone feel about the whistling? Like,
0: I don't care. You don't care? I don't care. It doesn't bother me And I think
3: what you're Mm -hmm. saying about missing compliments, you know, we're in a moment, and things are going to take a while to shift. And also, too, we have been made uncomfortable for thousands of years. They can be uncomfortable for a couple fucking months. Preach, girl. And, you know, we're talking a lot about, like, you know, be empowered, use your voice. But how do we do that? Those can almost seem like things sometimes that are being said to you, like, yes, but how? What do I do? And I think sharing stories, the what you guys are doing here, talking to your girlfriends more, the fact that women are making female friends in a less contentious space, that is available to the children, to the girls of the future, is super helpful. I think it would be great to see more television, to see more movies where conversations are complicated and messy sex is complicated and messy girls was so great because it was a mess and that that's how it feels for real instead of feeling like you're doing it wrong because it's not how you've seen it as an example if you're only examples because nobody in your home talks about it and it's not porn it's like whatever terrible rom-com you're seeing you know yeah crystal brought talking
5: crystal brought up about this uh, having the conversations afterwards. You brought up about bringing having the conversations with certain people who may or may not have offended you and they don't know. It's so funny. Last night we went out. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and I walk into the karaoke bar and I give Katie a hug and I look behind her and there's this guy there and it's somebody I dated like maybe nine months or a year ago. It didn't end too well. Oh. We had a few dates. There was a few times in the bedroom, and I just wasn't feeling him, so I kind of let him go, and I let him know, and he was mad. So he would he responded by texting me back some very unpleasant things. They were real bad, but he was just I could tell he was just mad because I'm like, okay, that's enough, you know, I'm done. Were they rude? they were kind of rude i could tell he was hurt Mm. but it didn't make me happy and i didn't know him anything so i blocked him so last night i'm like oh fuck katie this guy right behind you is this guy i can't even remember his name even and it was like his house karaoke place he was the first one there i had no idea but you had had your crew with you
1: so What happened? I
3: said you had your crew with you, right? Yeah, yeah, that
5: was fine. But, um, no, he's safe. (laughs) But it forced me to go ahead because I saw him look at me a couple times and I looked at it forced me to go up to him and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I did have the conversation. I'm like, hey, good to see you. How you doing? It's all good. And I said to him, you were kind of mean to me at the end. You know, you were texting me some mean things. And he's like, well, you were kind of mean to me. I wasn't mean to you. I was clear with you. But you were kind of mean to me. And he goes, well, um, do you think we could still keep talking? Can I? Um, can you unblock oh! me?
1: <laughs> and he literally went through her phone to show her how to unblock someone and found his name on- oh, up. <laughs> <sorry. laughs> and you let, you Ooh, let him. The boundaries you are let him. Sexy. Let him. Yeah, I did let him. I was very him. generous. But did you, do that? did you
4: do that to be nice? Or did you do that? Because you wanted to.
5: Because I can't remember why I didn't dig him in bed. <laughs> he, he's, hot. He's, he's
4: hot. He was hot. He, he was, was very I
5: just asked the question because Lori so often, what? just be nice. No, totally. i'm 15 years yeah. younger, and I don't want to mess with that for too long. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mean, do you, do you, they have to be at least 40. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, everything we're saying, Marguerite, write more stories. Like, who do we have to be as women to cause this revolution? Because as women coming together, we can really cause it true evolution for humanity so I love that write more stories I think past women create more and pass off jobs to other women anyone else
2: I just was reading how men retweet other men in journalism something like 80 percent more <laughs> than women so something that we can do too is share each other's work share each other's stories and really lift up our sisters and when we see them succeeding to see their success Yes. our success yes. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm.
3: watch uh, Hannah Gadsby's special um, Nanette, it's new on Netflix okay. you're welcome
5: okay, thank you <laughs>
0: And I think I think just remembering that, much like Marguerite was saying, like, this is a moment, and to just be generous with each other while we're all learning and fumbling our way through it.
6: Mm-hmm. I would also add uh, being radiant as women like. So we just do more self-love for ourselves, um, more pleasure for ourselves, and we're tapping into that radiance. And when we're radiant, the world radiates.
5: Yeah, well, I think when you're young, if you can figure out what really turns you on— how to make yourself orgasm, masturbation. You know what it takes for a partner to get you off. You're going to be very, it's going to be very easy for you to say no to things that don't get you there. So once mm-hmm. you learn your pleasure mm-hmm. and you know what it takes, mm-hmm. it's very easy to say, this ain't getting me there. I don't want nothing to do with
2: mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being able to speak our yeses and our nos and to have our boundaries and our fuck yes. And I also think on the kind of bigger scope is taking on positions of power unapologetically and really following our callings. And when we're presented with those opportunities or that we take those opportunities to be the ones in the place of power, it's okay and it's our time. And I think that we have evolved as a society in such a way that we can share. It doesn't have to be a matriarchy or a patriarchy, though that's we don't that black and white piece, you know, it can be a shared power and shared love together.
0: Share creator.
2: A shirkierky. A, a, sheer- a
0: clitocracy. Clitocracy. We, that's what we are here. Talk about sex
2: more.
3: That's what I think. <laughs> Let's
4: Yay. talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that made me. Let's talk about sex.
6: Let's talk about
4: sex
2: thank you TLC
4: I wanted to just put something in I hate to do it after that but when you're saying no that (laughs) when you're saying no that it's opening the space up for something you want to say yes to yeah yeah, and women often forget that and I really felt that was super valuable to put in the space after
2: singing about sex
0: yeah Yeah. you don't have to you definitely don't have to settle yeah
2: it's not and black age. and white. It's not black it's not and white. Black and white. So it's that special time where all you listeners out there get to have an interactive moment. It's our exercise of the day. So you're going to look at the person that you're with. Or if you're not with someone right now, you're going to go in front of a mirror. If for some reason a mirror is not available, just use your imagination. And when you arrive there, put your hand on. On your pussy, your respective pussy or your cock, not the other person's. (laughs) Now close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and exhale. And imagine for a moment the last time you were touched in a way that you didn't like. And what you wanted to say in that moment, allow yourself to hear it in your own mind at any volume that's appropriate in your own mind. (laughs) And when you're ready to, you're just going to open your eyes and with love and at any volume... In any way, no matter how messy or eloquent it is, you're going to say to the person that you see in front of you exactly what there was to say.
4: So now we come to the closure of our show, and we have a magical moment of the pussy chant. Pussy. Pussy.
6: Pussy. Pussy.
4: Pussy. Pussy. Pussy.
6: Pussy.
5: Pussy.
4: Pussy. Pussy.
0: I could have had you all. Every inch inside of me. I could have had it all. Just come and penetrate me. Yeah. yeah nice. Totally off the cuff. You're a fucking genius. (laughs) Did you just love this episode of Clit Talk? Well, shit, then you better head on over to iTunes and subscribe. But only if you want amazing orgasms. Also, while you're over there, please rate us and leave a review. But again, only if are open to incredible sex and amazing relationships. And if you email us a screenshot of your review to contest at gmail.com, you will be automatically entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We can't wait to give you some free shit.